Lord, I hate that man. That was Gavin Newsom, for those of you that are listening on the audio podcast, crashing into a kid in China while playing basketball, crushing the skull of a small Chinese boy. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's November 7th, 2023. I wanted to play that clip up top because uh, not only do I obviously have no kind words to say for Gavin Newsom, but uh, on a personal note, just for 20 seconds, I have joined an over 30 men's basketball league here in South Florida. I had my second game, I, I, the league was filled and they, I was on like the emergency list if someone gets hurt and in an over 30 basketball league, somebody's gonna get hurt. So the last place team that's like 0-5, somebody gets hurt, they bring me in and I don't wanna brag everybody, I scored one point last night. Played the entire game, scored one point. That's right. I was one for two from the line. Pretty good, huh? Can I get an applause or something? <laughs> one point. I'm, I think I'm the oldest guy in the league at 47, which is pretty sad. But anyway, life, what are you going to do? Uh, okay, we're going to shift a little bit today. Obviously, none of the Middle East stuff is going anywhere. And, and all of the horrors around that and the reaction and everything else uh, is you know, kinda gonna be with us for, for quite some time right now. Uh, but there was a massive, massive, massive story that broke last night that you pretty much are not going to see on the corporate press for good reason. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, who almost was Speaker of the House a couple weeks ago, it didn't work out because he's kinda too on the ball about the important issues. Uh, he released some information that for sure, like without question, no daylight, uh, the government has been working with big tech to censor private citizens. And you're not gonna believe this, guys. They censored Dave Rubin. That's right, I'm on the list of people that they now have evidence that the government coordinated with private companies to silence their speech. Uh, on tomorrow's show, we are gonna have Harmeet Dillon. Harmeet Dillon is one of the premier First Amendment lawyers in the entire world. Uh, we're gonna have her on the show to discuss what the recourse could be. You know, if the government silences you, it's like, do they have to pay you? Do you get someone to, does some mid-level dingbat apologize to you? A bureaucrat show up to your house and say, we're very sorry, we stepped on your First Amendment rights. Um, I don't know, we're gonna find out, uh, but I'm gonna unpack exactly what Jim Jordan released. We're gonna connect that to what's going on, obviously, on the free speech side of the internet, which really, at this point, is, is Twitter, Rumble, and Locals. That's pretty much all we have left. Uh, and then we're gonna also connect that uh, to this other story that broke yesterday that, again, you are not gonna hear about in the corporate press and hopefully will not get us kicked off YouTube today. Uh, but if we do get kicked off, of course, we are on Rumble and Locals. Uh, but Steven Crowder yesterday uh, released some of the manifesto. It is unclear how he got it, and a lot of people are trying to figure that out, but it is confirmed that it is legit. The manifesto of that shooter in Tennessee, that trans shooter a couple months ago, uh, you all remember that story, and now we're seeing censorship related to that. Crowder just got a strike on his YouTube channel. Is the, is the channel taken down altogether now? It, or he cannot live stream? Taken down, but no strike. So his channel has been taken down apparently on YouTube right now, temporarily. So we're gonna talk about it. We'll see if uh, we remain here afterwards. Anyway, we're gonna do all that. And then I wanna connect it, I wanna dive back into presidential politics as well because there's a lot of stuff happening uh, with this debate. Tomorrow, Trump will be holding, he's not showing up to the debate, which is a damn, the debate, which is a damn shame because if there was ever a time that we have to have this battle of ideas like right in front of us, I would say it is now as we seemingly are on the precipice of giving away America altogether. I think it's a really, really weak move. It does not matter whether you love Trump or you think he's up by 70 points or anything else, but there will be a debate here in Miami tomorrow. I will be there. We're doing a post-game show. I'll have more on that for you tomorrow. Trump's doing a counter rally here in Florida at the same time. So anyway, it's a big show. I'm caffeinated and ready to roll. Let me talk to you about Moink Box real quick and then we'll get to it. Uh, you guys know that 60% of US pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese, and their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China, yet you find it in your grocery aisle every day. 
Well, there's a better way. I want to tell you about Moink. You guys know it's Moo Plus Oink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should, because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste, and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent as well. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops pork chops to salmon fillets and much more. Plus you can cancel anytime. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted. And Phoenix right over here made a filet mignon last night that he was raving about. They guarantee you'll say oink oink. I'm just so happy I got moinked. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Ruben right now. And listeners of this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one of the best ground beef you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, moinkbox.com slash Ruben, moinkbox.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so I want to dive into this before we get into the specifics of what Jim Jordan has exposed. I want to connect this a little bit to Twitter and Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson, who of course is no longer with Fox and it still is unclear why he is not with Fox, but is now doing his show on X. Uh, X, which is formerly Twitter, I guess we call it X now. Uh, anyway, Tucker Carlson went on Theo Vaughn's podcast. Theo Vaughn's a comedian. He went on his podcast uh, to talk about sort of why he ended up on X and, and sort of the state of free speech and all of the stuff. Take a look got on the Twitter, right? And so I know that. And congratulations. Thank you. I think it's interesting. It's brave for people to get out of the system. A lot of people- well, I was think, expelled from the system. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, got, you got laid off from everywhere. I have, yeah. Was it fun. cutbacks or why did you get- <laughs> Cutbacks? No. I love it. I'm going I'm to use that though. Yeah. There's downsizing. Just downsizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm being retrained. I'm learning to code actually. <laughs> They closed the plant. I totally get it. I was on third shift and they're just the demand was in decline. Um, I am going to use that though next time. No, Why were you ahead. fired? Um, but oh. you got out and you moved to. Uh, I was thrown out. You were um, thrown out. And I and Elon called me the day that I my show was canceled. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was grateful that he did. And he called you, huh? Had you spoken to him before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, I had. And, uh, and I really liked him. And um, I'm not a technology person, to put it mildly. Like at all, yeah. Very anti-technology. Yep, like almost on a crazy sort of Ted Kaczynski way, which is I'm not defending. It's so bad. who handles tech for you then, kind of? The tech people, I don't. They they, they live in Bangalore. I don't okay, know yeah. their names. Just kidding. No, we have really super smart people. The Bangaloreans. Isn't the Bangal the Bangaloreans. No, um, actually, our oh, Mandalorian. Most of our staff from Fox came. Um, and Elon's, I mean, we don't work for Elon. We're just, I'm a Twitter user like everybody else, but his, all he said was, um, I'm going to keep the platform open, you know, and people with differing views, whether I agree with him or not, are welcome on the platform. And, and that's, that's the guarantee that I wanted and needed. And so I've been super grateful. I mean, that's all I've ever wanted, by the way. Okay. So I don't think, uh, Tucker said anything there you, that you kind of haven't heard him say before, right? It's still a little unclear as to why he got fired. Did it have something to do with the Dominion lawsuit and the 800 million that Fox had to pay? Cause it happened right after that. And maybe was he not going to let that go? Did it have anything to do with his position on Ukraine or anything else? We just simply don't know at this point. I don't know that we'll ever know. Maybe, maybe Tucker knows and he's kind of sitting on that or there's legal reasons he's not talking about it. Uh, but the point is, he's no longer with Fox. The number one cable news host in the history of cable television was fired by, in essence, the machine, right? And then he goes to the place where Elon, who then bought Twitter for a cool $44 billion of, of a company that was purging money, that still is not profitable, uh, he bought it so that he could enable people to say what they will, just like we're doing right here with Rumble. And again, we'll see if we're on YouTube by the end of uh, today. So I wanna show you a tweet now that uh, Elon put up yesterday because I'm gonna connect this to the, uh, to the Jim Jordan story. So Jim Jordan tweeted out bombshell report on the censorship industrial complex. And then there's a long thread that I'm gonna to get to in a moment. And Elon wrote, this is a big deal because it is directly, directly connected to why Elon Musk bought Twitter, what the Twitter files were all about, and the subsequent uh, censorship of people like me, and it's, and it's many more, and it could be some of you watching this, right? We don't know the full list. We only know some of the sort of more public names. Anyway, I'm gonna read you that whole thread and connect that more widely to what's going on in the country. Real quick, let me talk to you guys about 
the satellite phone store. Uh, guys, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes can happen almost anywhere and your cell phone could go down as a result, but not a satellite phone. Satellite phones will always work because you're carrying your personal cell tower wherever or anywhere you go on earth, everywhere or anywhere you go on earth. Anyone who has a satellite phone in the affected areas of Hawaii, the Nevada desert, say Burning Man, you've got a way to communicate with friends, family, and emergency services. Prepare for the unexpected. The most secure way to communicate is from satellite phone to satellite phone. You can't be tracked and no one can listen on your calls. Even the US military uses satellite phones for secure communication. So here's my deal for you. Visit sat123.com or call 866-320-1884 and use promo code DAVE50 to waive the $50 activation fee. The service is only applicable to those in the United States. Again, just visit sat123.com and use promo code DAVE50 to waive the $50 activation fee or call 866-320-1884, and now back to me. Okay, so why did I start with a video of Tucker Carlson talking about being free and being on X and saying what he wants to say? Uh, you might remember Tucker Carlson, what, about five years ago now, in my humble little garage studio, when he said, Dave, you've got everything I want, right? Because I, I happen to be one of the first guys to do the independent thing, right? And now he's he's traversing that landscape himself. Well, the only way that we can traverse that landscape, the only way you guys can watch this show or hear from alternative voices, forget about me specifically, uh, is if there's infrastructure, there are places like Rumble and X, et cetera, that allow you to communicate with us, that allow us to create something that that build the pipes so we can push it out to you so that you can get it on your phone or your laptop or anywhere else. And what the hope is, is that the government is not in between those connection points, us the creator and you the consumer, uh, making sure that you can see or not see certain stuff. Unfortunately, we have found out that the government's doing just that. Uh, so now I've got quite a, quite a bit of a thread here from Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan. Bombshell report on the censorship industrial complex. Hundreds of secret reports show that DHS Govs and CISAGov, which is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the GEC, which is the State Department, Stanford University, and others worked together to censor Americans before the 2020 election, including true information, jokes, and opinions. The federal government disinformation experts at universities, big tech, and others work together through the Election Integrity Partnership to monitor and censor American speech. According to one EIP member, the EIP was created at the request of CISA. At the head of the EIP, the head of the EIP also said the EIP was created after working on some monitoring ideas with CISA. Here's how it worked. EIP stakeholders, including the federal government, would submit misinformation reports. EIP would analyze the report and find similar content across platforms. EIP would submit the report to big tech, often with a recommendation on how to censor. Here's where it's getting scary. The judiciary GOP and at weaponization, that's the weaponization of government uh, department, obtained these non-public documents and information from Stanford only after the threat of contempt. Who was targeted? Americans of all political stripes, but especially conservatives. And then there's a bunch of people here, obviously Donald Trump, Newt Gingrich, Mike Huckabee, Sean Hannity, uh, Harmeet Dillon, who's the lawyer I'm gonna have on tomorrow, Charlie Kirk, Jack Posobiec. Okay, you, you see a bunch of this Babylon B. I I mean, they're a comedy site, and it didn't stop there. Here are some more accounts that were targeted. There's Newsmax, oh, Rubin Report. How about that guy, uh, James O'Keefe. Uh, what speech was targeted for censorship? True information, jokes, political opinions. The American people deserve to know if they were targeted by their own government and so-called disinformation experts. The committee is making the data from these reports publicly available here. So now I wanna to throw to a tweet of mine that I believe is the first time I was ever suspended from Twitter. I've been subsequently suspended a couple times, although not since Elon has taken over. But this is back in July, it's July 29th of 2021. Now this is only a month after Joe Biden gave a speech saying that vaccines work and if you get the vaccines, you will not get nor transmit COVID. And I sensed that something was a little fishy. So here is what I wrote. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. They want a federal vaccine mandate for vaccines, which are clearly not working as promised just weeks ago. True. People are getting and transmitting COVID despite the vax. True. Plus, now they're prepping us for booster shots. True. A sane society would take pause. We do not live in a sane society. Uh, I was suspended from Twitter, and if not, had I not created Locals, I would have had no way, really, of getting my voice out there after that. I was able to post that on Locals and then a whole bunch of Twitter people were able to link to that and then eventually I was brought back on. I, I'm not making this story about me and I would also like to say it's like sort of annoying and um, it's like, well shit, I don't want the government looking at me. Like, like it's sort of like ridiculous and like not the, the greatest thing ever. You know, I guess it's like I see my name in this. It's funny, when I saw the original Twitter thread, I started reading it and I was like, uh, I'm gonna be in here, aren't I? Anyway, I mention all this because now when you look back on, on something like that, like saying vaccines weren't working before it was cool to say that, saying that they were prepping for us for booster shots when it was obvious, but you weren't allowed to say it, uh, saying that mandates were coming, like it seems pretty clear, and I'll, I'll try to contact Jim Jordan and find out a little more information on this, that it's very likely that that specific tweet, which I was right about all of those things. And all I was warning, all I was saying really was, hey, let's calm down everybody. Let's pause for a moment, figure out what's going on here. Like, it's pretty clear that the government worked with Twitter to silence me. Now that's a direct assault on my free speech First Amendment rights. The government cannot stop you from speaking legally protected speech. So the question really is, and I'll get to more of this tomorrow, uh, the question really is, well, what are, what is your recourse? If the government silences you, then what is your recourse as a private citizen? Do they owe you some cash? As I said, do you get an apology? Does Joe Biden give you a call? Like something? Unfortunately, I don't think you get anything actually, but we'll talk about that with Harmeet tomorrow. Uh, we have a quick update that's happening live on the fly right now. I mentioned that Crowder's YouTube channel was down. It apparently has come back like within the last half hour. So again, all of this trickery, the shenanigans and everything else, uh, it leads us to this odd place where we have a, a mainstream media that lies about basically everything or they don't even cover the stories that are important to be covered. That's a type of fake news if they won't cover a certain thing uh, or they silence people, et cetera, et cetera. So now I wanna connect this to the Nashville Shooters Manifesto. You remember this story from a few months ago. It turned out that a trans person shot up this school, and then there was this um, there was this very odd thing for a couple days because it was known that this person wrote a manifesto, and there was this odd thing whether we could read it, who had it, whether we were going to find everything out. And I just want to broadly say before I get into the specifics, I'm, I'm somewhat fifty fifty on releasing information about manifestos. Um, I fully understand the reason to release it, right? Like you want to know what the insight. You want, to, you want to glean some insight into what these people were thinking so that you could hopefully uh, deprogram someone else who might be going down that route, right? You want, to, you want to know what their influences were, how corrupt their ideology was, were they on drugs? All of the, were they abused? Like the litany of things that you might want to know about someone who does like unimaginable evil. I think the catch 22 to that, although I lean more on the former here, the catch 22 to that is, is if every time someone does one of these horrific acts, one of these school shootings, whatever it might be, if, if our goal is to expose the manifesto in some weird way, you are incentivizing them to do these things. If they wanna be famous, if they wanna be known, if they wanna be on the cover of Rolling Stone, remember that one? Like you are incentivizing them to write completely crazy things that may or may not be true, may or may not be the, the intentional motives of what they are doing. And you're saying to them, we will promote the hell out of it. And I think we just have to think about that a little bit. I believe in free information and, and that we should be able to know what's out there and everything else. But I think we have to be a little bit careful put it, pointing to something that a, that a crazy psychopath read and, and gleaning you know, just too much information into it. Anyway, that being said, uh, Steven Crowder 
has somehow got this manifesto. He released it. So here is a tweet from Crowder, and we'll see if we make it through YouTube today. Uh, breaking, Nashville school covenant shooter Audrey Hale's death day manifesto targeted crackers with white privileges. Wanna kill all you little crackers. These are quotes, obviously, from the manifesto. I hope I have a high death count. I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't ready to die. Uh, Elon Musk responded to this, and he wrote this, uh, clearly mentally ill, but also clearly brainwashed into being a mass murderer by the system. Now, I think it's worth uh, discussing that point for a second, because anyone who commits any of these murders is mentally ill by definition. You guys remember that Uvalde shooting uh, in Texas, the school where I think 18 kids and three teachers were shot. Cold blood murder, absolutely horrible. That was about six or eight months ago. And we played that clip of Joy Reid the next day on her show saying that the shooter was not mentally ill. This was about the guns. And that is what a mentally ill person would say. The very definition of taking a gun and shooting innocent people, children who you don't know, all of that, that is by definition you are mentally ill. But that doesn't suit Joy Reid and MSNBC and the Democrat Party's policy of wanting to step on your Second Amendment rights, right? Your ability to own a firearm and protect yourself. So they don't want you to think about mental health. They don't want you to think about the mind-bending prescription drugs that people are on, or on this case, the fact that the shooter was trans and there's probably hormones involved and everything else. So uh, let's continue because if it was not for Rumble and X, locals, et cetera, uh, this story would not be getting out there. Uh, here is a tweet from Steven Crowder uh, Facebook is now censoring the Nashville Manifesto. Uh, and then, here we go, YouTube, yeah, it took down Crowder's video and called it political violence. They then took down Crowder's channel, which as I said a moment ago, they have subsequently brought back just in the last little bit. But now I wanna connect this. You guys know I like to connect these things in, in all sorts of levels, right? There's the censorship level, there's the, the kind of tech level, the government level, or the cultural level, all that stuff. I wanna connect this now to the media level because uh, whether, whether you think these manifestos should be out or not, or any of the issues around that, uh, it is now news. And the question is, how will the media treat it as news? Now, the media obviously doesn't like Crowder. Crowder is competition to CNN, the same way Joe Rogan is competition to CNN, or I am, or Dan Bongino, et cetera. So if, if he is to expose anything good, not, not good in, in and of itself, but if he is to expose anything that is true, well, then they have to go after Crowder. Uh, so here's a tweet from Crowder. Uh, he said, we called it this morning, expect hit pieces from left-wing media saying we've released the Nashville manifesto for clicks and clout. I assure you Crowder doesn't need clicks and clout. And here he has an email from a New York Times quote-unquote journalist, Emily Cochran, uh, and she says, hi there, my name's Emily Cochran, and I'm a reporter with the New York Times. I'm working on a story on Mr. Crowder's publication of the Covenant writings, and just left a press conference where one parent, Brent Leatherwood, was critical of the decision to publish those photos. He described it as chasing clicks at one point, and said that the proceeds from the video should go to the families of the six victims and or school. I watched the video earlier this morning and will incorporate some of that, but wanted to make sure Mr. Crowder didn't have any additional comment or response to the pushback. Thank you, Emily. Okay, so I, first off, relative to how these quote unquote journalists operate, Emily's not terrible right there, right? She's, she's addressing a specific thing. She's saying, I watched your video and I wanna give you a chance to comment. Generally, these people, they tell you, oh, you've got five minutes to respond to me. My hit, the hit piece is about to come out or they don't comment, you know, they don't ask you to comment at all. Um, I would say, look, I have incredible, I don't know how to describe it any other way. I have credible empathy and sympathy for the father of one of these victims. Uh, I, I think that, you know, that, and he doesn't want this out. He doesn't want it rehashed. But again, I think we kind of do need to know some of the motivations here, notwithstanding what I just said earlier about the way they can manipulate that by writing crazy things and everything else. Um, we also know that if, if this wasn't a trans person, right, if this had been a white supremacist, let's say, or just a white guy, just a Christian white guy, there's no way this, this manifesto would have been hidden. They would have got, oh my God, he watched Tucker Carlson and Steven Crowder. He voted for Donald Trump and Joe Biden would have been giving speeches and they would have been going after the guns and all of that stuff. Um, the idea though that Crowder is doing this just for clicks or influence, like he's got plenty of clicks. He's got plenty of influence. The guy's making plenty of money. Um, so I just simply don't think any of that 
uh, holds water. I would say maybe Crowder. It, it might just just for to throw the thing, uh, uh, to just like offer a little penance or something to the evil system, not that it deserves it. You, maybe you just, if you make any money on these videos, you donate it to some of the victims' families or something like that. that that's for him uh, to do. Uh, but I think the important thing is, here is that we have to expose the liars in the media who anytime anything true comes out, they try to take out the truth tellers. And of course that happens not just with the media people, but it also happens with our political leadership. So now I wanna show you, you might remember this. This is the day after the shooting, okay? So this is the day after this trans person, again, hopped up on what drugs, it's still a little unclear. We now have some new information about their intent and everything else. The day after they shoot these innocent kids at this Nashville school, what did Jean, God, this woman. What did Jean Cringe Pierre, what did she do at the White House? Well, you may remember this. And one of the things that we saw during the midterm elections is that people don't want their freedoms to be taken. They want us to fight for their freedoms. And so it is shameful, it is disturbing, and uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those, the trans community as they are under attack right now. Our hearts go out to the trans community as they are under the attack, under attack. The bodies were still warm and it wasn't of trans people. Well, they did kill the shooter, by the way. And then remember there were, um, there were protests at the Nashville uh, State House and uh, they were include, they said seven people were killed, the protesters, and they were including the trans shooter. Um, but you see what they do? how everything has to fit the narrative, right? So a bunch of innocent people get shot by a trans person, and then Jean Cringe-Pierre, oh, we have to defend the trans community. Nobody's blaming all trans people, but either way, either way, our hearts should go out to the families who were killed by the trans person, right? They do this with everything, and you guys know it. You guys absolutely know it. If it, it, it all has to fit the narrative, right? If a black guy shoots a bunch of white people, it's because of systemic racism. If a white guy shoots a bunch of black people, it's because of white supremacy. Like, you got it. By the way, there was a, uh, I think a 68-year-old Jewish man uh, was killed yesterday at a Hamas, well, it was there was an Israel protest, like a pro-Israel protest, and then some Hamas people were there, uh, and one of the Hamas guys hit a 68-year-old man in the head with a megaphone and killed him. Uh, you are not, unfortunately, gonna see that on CNN or MSNBC or any, anywhere else. We probably should have spent a little more time on it today. But again, things that, it doesn't quite fit the narrative, right? When the, when the Jew gets killed by the Hamas guy, that's sort of supposed to happen. And you know, it doesn't, the power and the oppression Olympics, it doesn't all fit the thing the way they want it to fit the thing. However, we know that if a Jew went out there and killed some Palestinian protester, a 68-year-old man, Obama would be giving a speech tonight, oh my God, that guy could be my brother. And Joe Biden would be saying that Islamophobia is running, running rampant. Okay, you get all that, but let's connect that to Joe Biden, because just a day or two after uh, cringe, Jean-Pierre said that about, we have to help the trans community here, even though it was a trans person that killed a bunch of non-trans people. Uh, Joe Biden was asked about the Nashville shooter and are Christians being targeted? And look at his flip response to this thing. Do you believe that Christians were targeted in the Nashville shooting? Do you believe that Christians were targeted? I, I have no idea. I totally believe they were. What do you say to that? Well, I probably don't that. Oh, good, good time to joke. And oh, just because Josh Hawley says, uh, you know, like he's so muddled, it doesn't even matter. It was a Christian school, by the way. So every single person should have been mourning for those Christian children who were shot, not the trans community, right? And just every, he's just, he's just absolutely terrible. But uh, being absolutely terrible and blaming people for things they haven't done uh, is exactly what this administration has done really since day one. Uh, let's flash back to Joe Biden's State of the Union. You're gonna see some masks here. So it's, dur it's during the COVID pandemic, remember that thing? Uh, and here's what he chose to scare the hell out of people about. What, what's happening in America? There's some very, very scary people. They're, they're white, which is the worst of all colors. And we won't ignore what our intelligence agency have determined to be the most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today. White supremacy is terrorism. 
And white supremacists will not have the last word. And this venom and violence cannot be the story of our time. Enough of us have the guts and the hearts to st stand up. To stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. White supremacy is a poison. It's a poison <laughs> running through, our, it really is. Running through our body politic. And it's been allowed to fester and grow right in front of our eyes. No more. I mean, no more. That the ideology of white supremacy has no place in America. None. All right, so you got it. He's very concerned about white supremacy. I, I would make note that if there is someone out there who wants America to be a white supremacist nation where other people will not be treated equally under the law or will be under attack or anything like that, that would be a problem. I don't know of such people. I know that there are some bigots and, you know, on Twitter, people say mean things to me and show, send me pictures of Hitler or if the frog people are mean or all of that, but there is no mainstream white supremacist movement. It is just not real. Now, in some ways, they are starting to probably create it because a bunch of white people, good, decent white people are kind of feeling like they're attacked all the time. And when you're feeling like you're attacked all the time, you might start stepping into some uh, bad ideas. Um, but this is just completely ridiculous. If we were to even look at the events of the last couple of weeks, is it white supremacists calling to kill all the Jews? Was it a white supremacist who killed that elderly Jewish gentleman in Los Angeles yesterday? Uh, or was it Islamists? Or was it radical leftists and Marxists and everything else? Like, really, just think about it for a moment. Do you, what, what seems like a bigger threat to America? That a bunch of white people who want white water fountains and white buses that they're trying to take over, or that there's this other really horrific intersectional cacophony of ideas and people that have come together, the wokesters and the genderqueer nutbags and the Hamas people and everything else who are attacking the White House, who are calling for genocide and everything else. But if you say anything about them, you're called an Islamophobe. Very, very bizarre. Uh, but now I wanna connect this perhaps to a way out because I actually do think that there is a way out because we have a presidential election coming. And if we stop with the liars, if we find some people who will tell us the truth, who will govern the way uh, we were set up to be governed, maybe we can get out of this. Uh, one of the interesting things that's happening right now is that even though we're about two months away from the first uh, primary in Iowa, uh, Ron DeSantis yesterday got the endorsement of Iowa Governor uh, Kim Reynolds. I've had Kim Reynolds on the show. I think she's excellent. I think she would really make a great VP. Uh, everyone, if you were to listen to conventional wisdom and mainstream media, Donald Trump's up by 50 points and blah, blah, blah. But as you know, DeSantis is going to all 99 counties. I think he's been to about 90 of them already in Iowa, getting big crowds everywhere. He now has the endorsement of the governor. I think something on the ground is happening a little bit differently. But putting aside Iowa for a moment, getting back to just the idea portion of this, what if we actually had politicians who told us the truth and who defended our rights and got out of the way and then you had a little skin in the game to see if you could figure out how to live your life? You think America might work? I think it might. Here's Ron DeSantis. Look, I would say this to young kids. Um, it was the Democrats that were isolating you in your dorm rooms during COVID. It was uh, Republicans like me in Florida who were liberating you from those COVID restrictions. We weren't trying to force COVID shots on you when you didn't need it and you were at low risk for COVID. Uh, the, uh, the inaccessibility of the American dream for people in their 20s, that's because of liberal policies that have driven up the cost of energy, interest rates, all these other things. You know, we're the response to those policies. You know, we're going to give people a chance to get ahead again uh, in this life. And as hard as it is for uh, people, you know, that, that have kids already and elderly people on fixed income, 
you know, if you're 23 and you have student loans and you're trying to get ahead, I mean, man, uh, this is not a good time uh, to be able to launch yourself uh, going forward. So we need to do something about that. We've got to restore the American dream. We've got to show young people that hard work will pay off again in this country. And if you work hard, get the most of your God-given ability, you will get ahead. I want to ask for all of your support uh, in January when we have the New Hampshire primary. Uh, we need to nominate somebody um, who's going to be able to uh, unite this party, uh, win the election, and ultimately, you know, unite this country. Look, let's put the uniting the country aside for a second and everything else. Just the idea that a politician would get up there and say, yeah, it could be tough for you 23-year-olds, but we have to basically, what he's saying is create the conditions so that you can get into the world and maybe get ahead and that maybe hard work would matter, right? Like that's the truth and that's what this country is based on. And I still believe Maybe I'm just a dreamer, but I still believe that if you tell the truth and you do the right thing and you work hard, you can get ahead. And that is what we're on the precipice of giving away. So I want to contrast that to some lying. I know people are going to get pissed at me right now. But over the weekend, there was a giant Republican event here in Florida where they had all the candidates. They had all the Florida Republicans and everything else. Both Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump spoke. Uh, and Donald Trump got some booze from the Florida Republicans because he started talking about COVID, what states did well under COVID while he was in Florida, the state that he lives in and all his kids live in and all his grandkids live in and everything else. And he forgot to mention a certain state while he was talking about uh, what states did things right. We did a great job in COVID. We never got the credit for the job we did. We let Republican... Governors keep their states open. Many of them did. Henry McMaster, South Carolina, did a great job. South Dakota did a great job. Tennessee did a great job. A lot of them. They kept them open. No? He knows goddamn well what he's doing. And it's not cool and it's not right. Don, Donnie, if you're up by 50 points, if you're so confident and you think the sanctimonious has no chance, then why not say the truth? Why not say the truth? Actually, he did do a good job. It's why I'm here. It's why my family moved down here during all of this. And, and I think where I'm at with all of this, and I haven't done the presidential resource politics in a couple of weeks in light of what's going on in the world, but having just come back from the ARC conference, and, and listen to so many great speeches about how we can reset the world and get things right again. And the overarching theme that Jordan Peterson constantly talks about that I try to uh, you know, put into this show is I don't think we can beat lies by lying. I just don't think we can. I, I, I don't think it will work. It might get you some temporary wins, but it will not get us the ultimate win. So why couldn't he just go up there and say, boy, we did do some right things and it was the Republicans. And by the way, even, even if he, he won't call him DeSantis, even DeSanctimonious did a good job. But, it, but then the, his own audience turned on him there. And I think it's important to note, and you have to decide for yourself, and you, just may, you may not disagree with me, right? And this has nothing to do with any of the, the trials and tribulations of Donald Trump and all the unfair prosecutions and everything else, which I think we're all probably on the same side of. But if you think that the lies will get us out of this, and I mean this more in an existential way, right? I mean this philosophically more than like granularly. I don't think the lies will get us out of it, what, out of this. What I think is that the truth and exposing the lies will get us out of this. Uh, so now I wanna show you an interview that DeSantis did. Uh, is, this is the uh, Scarborough one or it's the other DVD. one? Uh, sorry, this is the PBD podcast, Patrick Bet David podcast. So this is last week here in Florida. Uh, Patrick Bet David, who's a buddy of mine, he had long wanted DeSantis on. I was able to help facilitate it, which I was very happy to do. Uh, and they got into, and Patrick, by the way, who also just like me and many of you, moved to Florida during COVID because of what DeSantis did, even though Trump, at the end of Trump's presidency, was, presidency was still pushing DeSantis to lockdown, and he would not. Uh, Patrick, brought up COVID and policy and things of that nature with the governor. Take a look. It was a very tough season where, you know, even Obama, Biden, none of these guys had prepared for a pandemic. The only one that knew a pandemic was coming was a guy named Bill Gates. 
Everybody else is like, well, you know, yeah, but here's the thing. You, you, you don't know. That's true. And I think there was a lot of uncertainty in March of 2020. The question is, what about November of 2020, December, January of 2020? What they should he have done? What they, should he have he done? He should have fired Fauci. He should have held these people accountable for being wrong, for lying to the public on all these different issues. The corrupt medical swamp in D.C. was a total disaster. I'll tell you what they also shouldn't have done. January of 2021, last few weeks in office, they're sending me missives uh, from the White House task force saying, impose a mask mandate, close restaurants. Do and I'm just thinking to myself, and the media here would use it as fodder. They would say, DeSantis is not following the Trump White House task force. And I wasn't. That's a true. But they use, the media used that as a wedge. So uh, I think that the whole Fauci, and here's, the I think, the issue for, for the election going forward, is I'm the only one running that is talking about bringing accountability for what happened to this country during COVID. Uh, it's one thing to make a judgment call that's wrong, but it's another thing to ignore evidence. It's another thing to lie. When you tell people like CDC did that if you take an MNRA shot, you will not get COVID and you still stand by that when it's obvious that people are getting it. When you're having the FDA approve an MNRA shot for six month old babies where there's no evidence that that's benefiting them, this is a swamp. This needs to be cleared out. You know, we can endlessly rehash COVID and everything else. And sometimes watching some of the old videos of it, it's like, ah, we've been through this already. But but what he's really right about there is that he will bring a reckoning. Do you realize, guys, that we will go through this again and again and again, whether it's COVID or COVID-7 or a zombie apocalypse or World War III or whatever else they want to lie to us about or anything, until we actually have a reckoning with these people? How are these, these places like the NIH and CDC, how have they not been annihilated and destroyed. But imagine if, say, Ron DeSantis was president. And imagine if, say, he was like, hey, uh, RFK, I know we're uh, not totally in line on everything. You're, you're a former Dem, like a pretty recent Dem. But could I task you with going to the agencies? It's been your lifelong career, uh, take, you know, as a lawyer, going after big agencies. Could I task you with taking out the CDC and the NIH? You think he might do it, RFK, who wrote a book about Fauci and the evil corruption at these agencies? Like, do you think they might do it? Do you think Trump can do it? Like, do you think he has the right people around him that can do it? And do you think it's important to do? I I do think it's important to do, but it's obviously, it's not just COVID. We also have to have some real talk when it comes to everything, border, economics, et cetera, et cetera. And now here's a wild one from the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, Ron DeSantis went on there, talked to Chuck Scarborough, who has taken every side of every issue. It's how how he survives on television because he says everything and means nothing. Uh, And DeSantis actually kind of got Scarborough to make some sense and made a real point about Republican hypocrisy when it comes to spending. Do you think the uh, House Republicans and all Republicans uh, in Washington, we'll just say generally Washington Republicans, have been hypocritical on the issue of balancing budgets, paying down the debt. Under Donald Trump, as I'm sure you know. Of course, Joe, of course. The debt exploded. Yeah, the last time Republicans did anything about it was when you were in Congress. That was the last time Republicans actually walked the walk, when they had the Republican revolution. Why why is that, Governor? Because, you know, I'll just say, when we were there, we raised raised hell, but we balanced the budget four years in a row. George Bush gets in, the deficit explodes. Uh, uh, Obama gets in, Republicans actually put in some restraints on spending. Trump gets in worse than ever. Eight billion over four years worse than ever. Why is it that Washington Republicans only care about the deficit when there's a Democrat in the White House? Well, I think if you look at the unified government under W. Bush and under Trump, Republican unified government, they threw out all the fiscal uh, constraints. That was not something people cared about. Uh, if you talked about it at that time, it was like they didn't want to hear it. The minute Republicans get out of power, then all of a sudden they be beat their chest. They become real fiscal hawks. Right. So the end point there. Thank you, Joe, for letting your guest speak for a moment. The end point there that Republicans always scream about this stuff. Cut the deficits, rein back spending, blah, 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 blah. When they have 
majorities, when they have the House and the presidency, they don't do much. Now in Florida, we do, right? In Florida, right here, we still somehow, we have a chief executive, the governor, DeSantis, who's a Republican. We have super majority in the House. We still cut back spending. We're still funding the right things. Uh, we're giving bonuses to police officers who wanna come from other states to do good work here. You guys get it, all the good stuff about Florida that I could do endlessly. Uh, but the point is that maybe, maybe we could have someone in the White House who would bring that reckoning on COVID. Maybe we could have someone in the White House who could usher in a time of, I don't know, Republicans acting like conservatives and cutting back spending and having clean bills and all of those things. Maybe we could have that or and perhaps we're gonna choose this one and we'll get exactly what we deserve. We can have an endless circus. We can have an endless circus of name calling and belittling and everything else. Here's Donald Trump yesterday on Truth Social. If and when Kim Reynolds of Iowa endorses Ron DeSanctimonious, who is absolutely dying in the polls, both in Iowa and nationwide, it will be the end of her political career in that MAGA would never support her again, just as MAGA will never support the sanctimonious again. Two extremely disloyal people together, getting together is, however, a beautiful thing to watch. They can now remain loyal to each other because nobody else wants them, three exclamation points. So we can decide, like guys, you know, I don't have Trump derangement syndrome or any of those things. If he is the nominee, I will vote for him. But if you want that, if you want more of that, then you'll get more than that, more of that. And I suspect we will not get out of any of these problems, or maybe we can. And I think Trump knows that DeSantis is doing far better in Iowa and probably in New Hampshire than, than the media will allow you to believe, right? That's why he's going after him all the time. Uh, by the way, yes, as I mentioned earlier, Kim Reynolds, she did endorse Donald Trump here. They, or sorry, she did endorse Ron DeSantis. Here they are together yesterday. I've had a lot of great candidates that are running for office. I, I consider them friends. I've had the opportunity to campaign with them. I appreciate all of them stepping forward and putting their lives and their livelihoods on, on the line to have the opportunity to represent this country. But I have to take a look at everybody. As somebody who's a leader, you should want people who are delivering big victories for their constituents, standing up for conservative values, which Kim has done. And it's almost like with Donald Trump, if you don't kiss the ring, you could be the best governor ever and he'll trash you. You could be a terrible, corrupt politician, but if you kiss his ring, then all of a sudden he'll praise you. Yeah, I mean, that's just true. And we all know it to be true. Even you watching this right now, if you're hugely in the MAGA camp and you're pissed at me for doing this segment or these last few minutes, you know that part is true, right? It's, it's illustrated by the fact that Donald Trump over the weekend was talking about all the great Republican governors on COVID in Florida and forgot to mention the Florida guy and got booed in Florida, right? This is the same guy, Donald Trump, who now says uh, Andrew Cuomo did a good job during COVID. Andrew Cuomo should spend the rest of his life in jail for what he did by sending all those old people back into the, into the homes and all of those things where so many people died. Okay, all of that being said, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe Ron DeSantis. You don't have to believe Kim Reynolds or anything else. You have to make a decision for yourself. I think that is the important thing here. You have to take the information. What I try to do is just give you guys some information. I tell you what I think. You have to take some of that information and then figure out what you think, right? You don't want to be, you can turn on many other shows where guys are just going to yell over the top and try to convince you of every other thing. That's not the way to do it. I think Maybe it's why this thing's working over here, and it's also why people are paying attention to Tucker Carlson. So one more from that interview. The only thing that enrages me is when you hear people say, you know, you must believe me. I have no obligation to believe anybody. You have an obligation, if you want me to believe you, to prove what you're saying. Right. And I have a right to ask simple, fair questions. How do you know that? How can I trust that? How, and, if, and if you don't give me those answers, then I just don't believe you. And I don't have to believe you. And if your recourse is, you're a bad person for not believing me, fuck you. That's mm. my response, fuck you. Not end the show by saying that. But I will end the show by saying, think for yourself. Think for yourself. Make some of these decisions for yourself. Think about, like, how do we get out of this? 
Like, is the truth that we can make America great again right now, or is the truth that we better freaking save America first? Make America was great, again, was nice. Now I think we're at the stage of like, we gotta save this freaking thing, or we are going to, you know, just veer off that cliff into hell. I would prefer not to do that. That is our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, as you guys know, we launched our second show as of yesterday, 1 p.m. Monday through Thursdays. It's our call-in show where we take calls from you guys. For the uh, few people asked, uh, for now, we're only taking calls from Locals members. That's our very easy. It's a very simple way for us to just screen calls so we don't get all the like true internet psychopaths and everything else. I am fairly certain we'll get less internet psychopaths because we're also showing your face on video and generally psychopaths are quiet and in a basement and anonymous and everything else. Uh, but if you want to submit some questions, you can do that right now at rubenreport.locals.com. If you want to watch the 1 p.m. show, it'll be right here live streamed at rumble.com slash rubenreport. My full interview with Douglas Murray shot on location at ARC. We shot about 20 interviews. They're all going to be coming out this week. The Douglas Murray one is the first one, and he, he is just in rare Douglas Murray like clear, concise form. Uh, that's up across platforms right now. And uh, we leave you, we haven't played a clip of The View in a while, so it's just some crazy woman screaming on The View. Goodbye. When, when I got to SNL, there were so many things that I learned about that I didn't even know. Like seriously, the electoral college, I didn't know about that. I was just, don't, I know you're gonna be mad when I say this. I did think it was a college college. I thought. <laughs> I thought that, that, you know, the, the people got to go there before they become a politician. <laughs> oh, I wish that, that were the case. Smart, Listen, the people voting for Trump should go to college. Exactly. exactly. So that's, that's things like that to learn all that. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.